at verse number 17, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. I know these are verses that are um, familiar for a lot of you, um, maybe, um, maybe not so much in your world, but um, these verses were on the walls of the home that I grew up in, amen, uh, either cross-stitched or um, home interiors and, and uh, different things along those lines, and um, the more I grow in the things of God, the more uh, I understand and appreciate what these verses are saying, amen. I want to remind you this morning, before we even look at these verses, that we see different types of scriptures. And what I mean by different types of scriptures, you know, everything God gives to us, everything God creates has a purpose. And different verses serve different purposes. And so we have a category of verses that serve the purpose of giving us instructions, directions, commandments, um, thou shalt and thou shalt not, amen, if you're into the King James but then there's a whole other set of verses, a whole other category of verses that we find um, throughout the Bible, but primarily we find them, and most importantly for us, we find them in the New Testament. And these are verses that just simply exist to identify us. Um, they, they serve, um, Dr. Neil Anderson first introduced me to this idea. He calls them indicatives because they serve to indicate um, who we are, who we became um, the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so if you'll notice, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you'll notice, there's not really any kind of commandment or instruction in this verse. This verse serves to indicate what's true about you now because you've been born again. If you're in Christ Jesus you are a new creation, not will be. Notice it says, if you're in Christ, you are, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So pay very close attention to the verb tenses here. He's not talking about something that, that will come to pass, but something that has already come to pass for those who've been born again and are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say that now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself, be reconciled to God means to be uh, reestablished in a close relationship with Him. We know that we were all one with God. We came forth from God. We were all in Adam when Adam was one with God, but then Adam sinned, and when Adam sinned, the Bible teaches that we were all in Adam, and we were all separated from God in seed form. I know that's kind of a heavy thing to just come out of the gates with, but we were all in Adam when Adam sinned. That's why Romans 5 teaches us that it wasn't our sin that made us sinners. Um, we were born from corrupted seed, the Bible teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 1. And that seed was the corrupted seed of Adam. This is why Jesus came, and he's the, the second Adam or the last Adam. We're no longer in the first Adam. We're in the second Adam. We, we have been born a second time. We're in Christ Jesus. And now everything that's true about someone who's in Christ Jesus is true about you and me. So when the Bible says in Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He's telling us something that's true about us. Now, I think it's important also to recognize, and it may be obvious, but I think it's important to recognize that there's a reason why the Bible tells us these things. It's because they may not be readily obvious just simply looking in a mirror. They may not be readily obvious if, if you look at someone's outer person. Um, this is why the Bible tells us um, um, earlier in these verses that we should not um, consider the outward part of a man. 
um, because the outward part doesn't tell the whole story. Um, you're much more than um, your outward person. Um, you're, you have an outward man and an inward man, and the inward man is the real you. That, that inward part, that innermost being the Bible refers to, is the real you, and that's the part that's become new, that's been made new. Now, I've introduced, and, and we kind of went a different direction with Anniversary Sunday last week, but I want to I come back to it again um, this morning. And we've said that there are two words that communicate two different ways to go about experiencing change in our lives. And they're, they're pretty, you know, this, this word's, you know, one of the bigger words that I will ever put in front of you. And it's the word uh, metaschematizo, okay? Metaschematizo. Obviously, it is a Greek compound word. Um, which simply means uh, different words all compounded together. And the uh, other word that we see uh, for change uh, or transformation that we find in the New Testament is the word metamorpho. Now, the word metamorpho, I I think, probably gets you close enough to know we have an English word that is derived from metamorpho, and that's the word metamorphosis, okay? But this other word, metaschematizo, what in the world is that all about? Because, again, you're just reading along in your King James, New King James Bible, and um, you don't see metaschematizo, you see the word transformed. And in the same way, you're reading along, you don't see metamorpho, you see the word change, or you see the word transform. And so we have to go into the original language to understand that these words do not mean the same thing. One word, metamorphosis, has to do with changing the essence of a thing, changing the nature of a thing, changing a thing at the, at, 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 the, at the level of that thing's existence, okay? And so this would speak to the changing of the quality of something. Um, and this, of course, is what we find in 2 Corinthians 5. This is the kind of change, the kind of transformation, the kind of metamorphosis that the power of God has produced deep inside of the men and women on this earth that have been born again. Metaschematizo, though, is a different approach to change. It's a different way to try to experience some, some kind of difference or some kind of change in our lives. And, and when we approach change from metaschematizo, we're talking about a transformation by adding, taking away, or rearranging. And as I've already mentioned before, I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about this, this would be kind of like what we do uh, at New Year's when we make New Year's resolutions. Our New Year's resolutions often are resolves to uh, do less of one thing, do more of another thing, or rearrange um, what's currently you know, present in our lives. And the rearranging part a lot of times, at least for me, has been an examining of my priorities where maybe I'm spending too much time on one area and not enough time on another area. And so we want to, you know, check our priorities and rearrange those. And, and certainly metaschematizo, there's benefit to this. Um, but metaschematizo, thankfully, is not the only avenue that we have to experience change in our lives. Um, now, a lot of people, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but a lot of times we settle for metaschematizo because this is something that we feel like we can control. Um, metamorphosis is something we have to trust uh, God for. Amen. Um, if, if we're going to experience change at, you know, the, the very, you know, inherent or intrinsic nature of, of what we are, then this is something we cannot do ourselves. It's something that Father God has to do for us. So remember, a butterfly is much more than a caterpillar with a pair of wings sewn on its back. 
Um, and this is, uh, sadly to me, this is how a lot of people try to change their lives. They, they, they try to just add to what's already there or take away from what's already there. But again, Jesus paid the price for your metamorphosis. Come on now. I want, you to, I want you to understand this. Jesus paid the price for your metamorphosis. He came to make you something different, something you were not before. Came to make you something you could never make yourself. And so we see um, in different places in the scripture, um, I won't go through all of these, but let's look at Ephesians 5 and 8 this morning. Here it says to those who have been born again, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He doesn't say that you were in darkness. He says you were darkness. He didn't just say that you did things that were dark. He said you, by essence, your very nature was darkness. But notice the metamorphosis now. Um, you've gone from being darkness to being light. But then he says, but now you are light in the Lord. So because we have been made, or we are now light in the Lord, what can we do? What do we have the capacity to do now? We have the capacity to live as children of light. You see, in, in Father's great wisdom, he knew that we could never live as something we're not. And so he made us what we could never make ourselves so that we could then live according to who he made us to be. He created us again. He created us anew. He created us afresh in Christ Jesus. And in that process, he made us free. He made us righteous. He made us whole. He made us prosperous. He made us all of these things in our inward part, amen. He gave us rest in our inward part. But now he says, learn, be discipled, so that you can walk as the man or woman that he has already made you to be. Now, I know I've been through these a few times already, uh, at least in part, and I, I want to I go through them again because I just, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's breathing on this um, to challenge us. Um, something happens to us over time. Um, the older we get, um, remember when we talked about, you know, when we were really focusing on, on self-image, we said the older we get, the less we tend to dream. You know, when we're very young, you know, we, we dream of all kinds of things and accomplishing all kinds of things and doing all kinds of things. So I'm going to kind of try to represent this, you know, using my hands, okay? It's like, you know, age, you know, five, six, seven years old, way down here, dreams way up here, okay? <laughs> There's this tendency as we get older, right, for our dreams, you know, less and less and less and less. Now, listen, this, this isn't something God's designed. This is just something that happens over time. And, and if we're not careful, as we get older, we become jaded, as, as we get older, we, we, we tend to um, temper our expectations. Um, as we get older, we tend to have that, you know, the, it's, it's not in the Bible. The world says, don't, better not get your hopes up. It's good not to get your hopes up. Um, because, again, as, as, we, as we go through life, we experience disappointments. We, 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 you know, we imagine things turning out one way, and they, they turned out another way. And, and the enemy's behind all of that because he's trying to get us to a place to where we don't have a whole lot of expectation for the future, where we just kind of settle um, for what we can produce ourselves. We just kind of settle for whatever it is that comes our way. 
And, and if we can, you know, if, we, if, if lemons come our way, we try to figure out how to make lemonade, and if not, we just put them in a bottom drawer somewhere and just keep, keep on moving, okay? And, and this is not how God created us to live. This is, this is the toll, if you will, um, living in, in, a, in a broken world uh, has on us. This is why the Bible says you cannot allow yourself to be conformed by this world, but again, you must be metamorphosed. You must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we, we all need, remember they talked about it in the book of Acts, that there are these times of refreshing that come from the Father. Amen. Come on, anybody in here need times of refreshing from the Father? Where, where it's like this reset button is pushed somewhere inside of us it, it, it's like we're, you know, all of a sudden we begin to dream again. We begin to, to, to have expectation beyond ourselves again. And, and so I really, you know, feel like the Holy Spirit um, is, is breathing on this uh, for us um, right now. So let's go through the list again. Remember, we were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. We were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. Now, the last slide repeats this and adds to it, and we know it, okay? But notice, let's go back to it. When we're children, we know it, and so we dream big. You know, we, we have all these desires and goals and aspirations in life, but as, as life unfolds, you know, we still know that we were created for something greater, but again, the word that keeps coming up in my spirit is we settle. We settle for whatever we have. We settle for whatever um, is present. And, um, and we don't continue to do what, what the Apostle Paul instructed us by the Holy Spirit to do, and that's to keep pushing, to keep reaching, to keep striving. Um, it's an upward call that God has on our lives, amen? And he wants us to keep reaching to lay hold of that for which he laid hold of us. Remember, we were created to have things that no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. Jesus talked about this. He, he talked about you being given what um, uh, is yours. He talked about um, true riches. Amen. And and he talked about being faithful in what belongs to somebody else is one of the key ways that that we're able um, to be entrusted with true riches. Amen. I want you to think about it for a moment, okay? Um, When it comes to how you manage your money, money is not true riches. True riches are things that money can't buy. Amen. There are things that only God can give to you. Amen. And yet, he looks at how we manage our money because that communicates to him how we're going to manage true riches. Amen. And so, if, if we can't be faithful with, um, with money, then how would we ever be faithful with the precious things and even powers of the, of the age to come, right? And so just remember that. We've already received an offering. This is not about me trying to leverage money out of you. I'm trying to help you understand how, you know, Father's perspective on these things. But we were created to have things no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. We're we're talking about things that are precious, things that are eternal. We were created to become something we can never make ourselves. We were created to experience emotions we cannot generate on our own. You were created to have the very emotions in you today, operating and functioning in your life that exist in the Godhead themselves. Amen. We were created to know things we cannot learn from our own efforts. Amen. 
That's not to give you or me an excuse not to study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. But notice, not study to become approved. That's the way school works, right? You study, you take the test, and then you, you get the grade. Amen. That's not how it works in the kingdom. In the kingdom, we're not studying to receive a stamp of approval. We're not studying to receive a passing grade. We're studying so that we can show ourselves already approved. We've been approved by God. We've been accepted into the beloved. He's, he's already called you his own. The Bible says that, that Jesus, the captain of our salvation, he's brought many sons to glory. And, and that he's not ashamed um, to call those that he's still doing work in their lives. He's not ashamed to call you his brother. Amen. So think about why, why would he you know, potentially be ashamed? Why would anybody think he would be ashamed to call us his, his, his brother or his sister? It's because we still do things that would be considered conduct unbecoming, right? We, we still participate in things that we have no business participating in as, as the offspring of God in the earth. But we're, we're growing, right? It doesn't mean you're not approved by God. His approval of you is not based upon your works. It's not based upon what you do or what you've done. It's based upon what Jesus has done for you. Amen. But we're growing and we're studying and we're learning so that we can show ourselves approved, so that the inward reality of our approval can become an outward expression of our daily lives. Are you, amen, I got the right bunch this morning. Y'all with me? Is this making sense to you? Amen. So, this is when we when we say we were created to know things we cannot learn from our, from our own efforts. I think a, a lot of times it, it goes back to um, you know people want a word from God, but they don't have any interest in the word that God's already given to them. Are you hearing me? People wanting God to tell them something new when 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 they haven't really shown much interest at all in what He's been telling them for centuries. Amen. And so when we commit ourselves to the written word, um, this is when we put ourselves in a position for the Holy Spirit to teach us, for the Holy Spirit to answer our questions, for the Holy Spirit to um, reveal to us. Amen. I've told you for years, I'll tell you again, if you want to train your ear to, to hearing and recognizing the voice of God inside of you, begin with the words that he's already spoken to you. Begin by meditating on things that, 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 that he has already said in his written word. Begin by asking him how this applies to you, what you need to do with this particular passage, how, how you need to, to put this into practice in your life. As you meditate on these things, he'll begin to speak to you surrounding what he's already said to you in, in his word. But, but again, you and I, we were created to know things that we can never learn. You, you can get multiple doctorate degrees. You can study uh, every kind of ology there is. Theology, psychology, sociology, bio, you can study all of that, right? Um, but your own efforts, your own efforts will never get you to the place of understanding and knowing, amen, that you were created to live on, amen. This is uh, something that only God can reveal to you. We were created to do things we cannot do alone. We were created to see things beyond the ability of our natural eyes. We were created with potential we will never tap into apart from faith in God. Come on now. We were created with potential we will never tap into apart from faith in God. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you of something Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus said without his father he could do nothing. 
that was not Jesus like faking some kind of, you know, degree of humility. When he said, I can't do anything apart from my father, you have to understand Jesus came to this earth as a man. He came to this earth, the Bible says, like as we are. He, he humbled himself. Amen. He set aside, Philippians 2 tells us, everything that made him God. And, and what we see, of course, is that everything Jesus did on this earth, he did as a man in right standing with God, full of the Holy Spirit. He did it by faith. Amen. I mean, we see that he grew in stature, but we also see that he grew in wisdom. And we see that he grew in favor with God and man. So, in the, you know, when you talk about Jesus growing in stature, we know that he went from a baby to a toddler, from a toddler to a child, from a child to a, to a teenager, from a teenager to a, a young adult, from a young adult to a full-grown man. He progressed through all of those stages physically. But the passage that says he grew in stature doesn't just say he grew physically. He, he grew in grace. He grew in wisdom. He grew in understanding. He grew in favor meaning the, the amount of God's grace and favor available to all mankind, Jesus grew up into that, favor with God and with man. And so when Jesus makes the statement, I can't do anything without God, clearly Jesus recognized along the way, amen, that he was here for a purpose. He found himself in the scriptures. He, he found the verses that were talking about him. And he realized that he could never do what the Messiah was put on this earth to do going it alone, that he had to have his Father working in him. And so this is why Jesus says things like, I don't do anything unless my Father tells me to do it or shows me to do it. I don't say anything unless my Father tells me to say it or shows me to say it. So Jesus recognized that he was created to live on a level that he could never live on by himself. Amen. And so he allowed the power of his Father, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in and through his life to get him to the fulfillment of the life that he was put on this earth to live. And in so doing, set an example for you and for me to understand and to follow. This is why Jesus said of your potential, the works that he did, you will do also, and even greater works because he goes to his Father. Amen. I'm not about to say that I understand what those greater works mean. They could obviously mean greater in quantity, because as many people as Jesus ministered to and touched, um, I would dare say that as the body of Christ, we've now been able to reach and minister to and touch um, even more people collectively as the body of Christ than Jesus was able to minister to as one man on this earth. But then we also see and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, we don't have it recorded in, in the Gospels where Jesus' shadow healed anybody. But yet we see in, in, in Acts, right, that they would bring sick folks out and set them on the side of the road. Just in, in, the, in the shadow of, of one of the apostles, you know, passing by them um, would bring healing to, to, to their bodies. So when Jesus said greater works... I don't believe he was just meaning greater in quantity. I believe he meant taking the, the bar to, um, you know, another level, to, to even raising the standard uh, to, to another level. Come on now, I, you hear what I'm saying? My brother said something, the other, Matthew said something the other day that, you know, we're seeing this in, in, our, in our society today. We, we see with each generation the bar keeps getting lowered, Right? Um, 
the expectations keep getting less and less. The requirements keep getting watered down. Matt said this, and I, I, I agree with you, brother, but I'm giving you credit for it. Uh, he said that now the bar has gotten so low that they're starting to bury it so no one will trip over it. What does that mean? It means that any standard of expectation has become so diminished that there aren't any in a lot of places anymore. This is sad. This is sad. In education especially, COVID has accelerated that. It's sad to me. I won't go into all that. But um, I, did a, I did a wedding last night in Athens, David uh, Every and Aaron Walsh. Some of you remember them as a precious young couple that used to sit right over in there in the area where Ginger and, and Melanie are, are seated. And um, they dated for three years, and God's done such a wonderful work in their lives. Both of them came through the, the, the foundry. But um, the wedding was... Uh, at Aaron's parents' home there on Wheeler Lake. And, uh, man, it's beautiful up there. Well, anyway, they um, had it all set up outdoors. And um, I didn't go such a long drive. I didn't go to the rehearsal on Friday evening. But when I went yesterday, um, I'm not kidding now, there's a stump in their backyard. And and, uh, they set up everything around that stump up there in the middle. And they said, "That's, that's where you stand, you know. And I'm like, I thought I was kidding at first, okay. Um, but they were serious, you know. And um, so, you know, I, I, um, I wanted to tell them that my contract called for a soapbox and not a stump. Um, but <laughs> anyway, I finally talked them out of it. Uh, I said, look, I, if you look at the pictures, I already tower over you guys. You know, if I'm up on a stump looking down at you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be silly. So I stood beside the stump instead of... Um, in, in st- <laughs> Instead of on the stump, all right. So, anyway, I'm not I'm not trying to uh, uh, you know get on a soapbox or a stump this morning, um, and and, and uh, you know preach worldly things to you, but I'm just I'm just trying to tell you that 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 Jesus isn't about lowering the bar; he's about raising the bar, and and not to make it harder for you. Um, he will never ask you to do something that you do not have the potential to accomplish. When he said to you and me, do not allow your heart to be troubled, he would have never told you not to let your heart be troubled if you didn't have the capacity to prevent your heart from being troubled. So anything that he asks you to do, he gives you the power to do it. Amen. Um, There's a lot of things in this word that we're instructed, commanded to do, but we can't do it without him. And that's by design. Are you hearing me? That's by design. He set it up that way um, where he created you to live on this very high level. Um, and that's why we dream. When I say we were created to live on a level we can't get to on our own and we know it, this is why when we're very young, when we're, when we're way down here, this is why we aspire to all this greatness. This is why we aspire to accomplish all these things. This is why we, we, we dream of, 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 of doing great things and meaningful things with our lives. It's because it's, it's put in us, okay? But that, and that never changes. But again, by design, we can't accomplish these things um, without the power of God working in our lives. We need the power of God working in our lives. Come on now. We need it. Are you with me? We were never meant to live a day of our lives without the power of God, without a power uh, beyond us coming into us and working through us. This is Father's original design. It's His original intentions. Amen. 
and, and, and we see that sin separated us from him and sin, uh, you, know, you know, because we're, sin separated us from him, it made it impossible for us to have the power of God working in us as God always intended. If you think about it, when you, when you see the prophets and the kings uh, and, and the priests even in the Old Testament, we see that just a, a, a small portion, a small measure of God's Spirit was placed upon those men and women to do the things that they did, right? But we see when Jesus comes, the Bible says that the measure, remember Elijah was given a measure of God's Spirit, and then Elisha, his, 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 the, the prophet who came after him, he asked for a double measure, a double portion, amen. But in the New Testament, we see that the, the Holy Spirit was given to Jesus without measure, And that we see the same Holy Spirit is not given to us in measure, but the Bible says that he's now being poured out. Not, you know, if, if, you know, you reach in here and get a measure, a a, a little dab of, of, of water sprinkled on them. Jesus said, I'm putting rivers of living water inside of you. This is the potential that's within each and every one of us. Again, it's there. It just... It can't be tapped into through our own religious efforts. It can't, religiosity will never tap into this. A form of godliness will never tap into this. As a matter of fact, we see that a form of godliness in an effort to try to have more and better in life is, is, is simply a denying of the power of God, not any avenue or methodology to tap into the power that God has for each one of us. We need the power of God working in our lives. So here's my question for you. Are you expecting more than you can produce on your own? Are you expecting more? When I say expecting more, I'm talking about whatever area of life, um, I don't know, we've, um, I don't think mom and dad and mommy saying this, um, they, uh, you know, purchased a home on a lake there in Helena, uh, what, eight, nine years ago. And um, our family home in Hueytown, they've had it, you know, all these years. And I think Mom said it best. Um, she said, I wasn't ready eight years ago, but I'm ready now. And so they have sold that house, which means um, that house got to be cleaned out, right? Dad asked him, I think he was kind of kidding around, he says, can we just leave the stuff in the attic? You know, it's like... And all that, we got to get it all out of here, right? And so it's just been uh, not just physically tiring, but, but mentally, and I think even more than anything, emotionally. You know, you, you come across things. Um, um, there's a picture of Meredith's wedding with uh, Jesse and John Mark with their arms around each other. You know, you maybe anybody that's been at Heritage a long time, you know how, you know, they were inseparable in those days. And, and um, so I don't know, it's just... I guess kind of had me in that vein, and of course, then Pam and I, the the drive to Athens yesterday was a lot longer than uh, it GPSed out to be, just traffic, and you know, hour and forty five minute drive took us almost two and a half uh, to two hours and forty five minutes, and but we were just talking, and, and <clears throat> you know, my uh, my dad was one of eight children. Uh, they lived in a two-bedroom house, and they had grandparents and extended family live, <laughs> living in the house with them. And um, they were raised in an age where um, if there was any food left after the adults eat, um, they got something, you know. And um, 
Pam and I were just talking yesterday, you know, me and my brother and sister, we had it so much better than my mom and dad. Uh, you've heard my mom's story. You know, she started walking to church when she was a little girl because she wanted something better for her family one day than what she was experiencing. And then it goes beyond that because, you know, my children, Matt's children, Meredith's children, right, they all have it better now than we had it, right? And then I look at my grandchildren, you know. Again, I don't, I'm not about to disclose any personal information, but, you know, when I look at how blessed my children are in so many areas of life, but financially, I mean, goodness gracious, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just amazing how God is blessing them and prospering them, you know. But then I look at Oliver. Again, not just, I'm not talking about the clothes that he wears, the shoes that he has. I'm, I'm just talking about in every area of life, he has it so much better. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? Amen. And this is, this is God's way. What parent among us doesn't want better things for our children than what we have? Are you, are, you, are you seeing what I'm saying? Why do we have that heart in us? It's because it's the heart of God. So when Jesus says, greater works you'll do because I go to my Father, right? He's not just talking about quantity there. He's talking about quality. He's talking about the bar. It's an upward call, right? The bar being raised. So do you see how the, the enemy, he, he wants to try to squash that in us. He wants us to just become uh, complacent, again, settle for what, for what we have and for what we know um, and where we are. You, you see, some people would hear this and they would misunderstand what I'm saying. And, and, and this is what so often happens when people try to explain these things because they write it off as greed. It has nothing to do with greed. Are you hearing me? This has nothing to do with greed at all. This isn't about being greedy. It's, it's, about, it's about Jesus getting the, his money's worth for what he paid for us to have and experience and enjoy in life. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, praise God. All right, let me, let me see. I, I know I'm out of time. Let me, um, let me give you this passage. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. I'm going to give it to you first. In the New King James Version, and again, this is a passage, and I, I'll I'll end here on this on this um, slide and one more. Okay, um, Isaiah forty and thirty one. Um, man, there's been songs written uh, from this passage. Um, you may not have known exactly where it was located, the address in the Bible, but you've more than likely heard this. Most of you, if not all of you, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Okay? Now, we're not... This isn't... How do I say this? This doesn't just apply to the young. Amen. Are you with me? I think sometimes it's sad that as we get older, we start, you know, trying to find verses like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, youth renewed like the eagles. Come on with it, you know. <laughs> Amen. Um, but this is just, notice, what's the qualification? Those who wait on the Lord. Amen. So anyone 
who wants to become um, developed and skilled uh, in waiting on the Lord. By the way, waiting on the Lord is, is something that you can develop in your life. It's something you can learn and grow in and get good at and then get better at. Amen? So those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, this is a verse that I've been familiar with for many years, but um, you know, this whole waiting on the Lord part, I've never, it's kind of one of those things that I've never really felt like I've fully captured the essence of. And so you hear some people teach it like waiting on the Lord, like, you know, um, back in the day it was twiddling your thumbs, you know, just waiting on God, you know, waiting on God, you know. Or I guess in our day and age it would be, you know, on your cell phone waiting on God, you know. Um, let me go ahead and tell you, and I think we all know this without being told it, that is not what this verse means. So then somebody got real clever and, you know, they did it like waiting on God, you know. <laughs> I'm at your service, sir. You know, it's like a waiter or a waitress waiting on God. Well, if you go back into the original language, that really doesn't bear out its meaning, Okay. So, the Young's literal translation, um, I heard Brother Keith Moore uh, read this verse from the Young's literal translation, and man, it's like, pow, it's like it just finally exploded in my spirit. That's it. So, this is the Young's literal translation. But those expecting Jehovah pass to power. They raise up the pinion as eagles. They run and are not fatigued. They go on and do not faint. Now, the last part of that, wings as eagles, running and not fainting, and that sort of thing, that, you know, that to me is it's just worded differently, but that still kind of, you know, communicates. It's that next part, though. Those expecting Jehovah. And this one, it all kind of, you know, so you think, well, how in the world did we get weight out of expecting? But if I'm in the waiting room to have my teeth cleaned at the dentist office, I'm expecting any minute for them to call my name. You see, if, 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 if I'm, you know, in a, in a situation where I'm waiting for some reason, I'm not waiting without expectation, I'm there waiting because for some reason I'm there. There's some kind of an appointment or there's some kind of, uh, you know, meeting or there's, there's something, right? So if I'm waiting for someone to show up, let's, let's say we have a, you know, I have a 2 o'clock uh, appointment with someone, at, you know, at a certain location, right, uh, here or somewhere else. Well, if I'm there at 2 o'clock and they're not there, I'm waiting, but I'm waiting in expectation that any moment they're either going to show up or text me to say they're running late or text me to say, can we do it another day? But there's always, with true waiting, there's always an expectation associated with it. Are you seeing this? So it's not just waiting around on God. I love this. Those expecting Jehovah. Come on now. So when I heard Brother Keith Moore say, read this um, this translation of Isaiah 40 and 31, that's when the Lord began to speak to me about my expectations. 
And not just my expectations, your expectations, and collectively our expectations. Amen. What are we expecting? Amen. And this is when, again, the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about an audible voice, but in my spirit. Like he says, you know, or he asked me that question. Are you expecting more than you can produce on your own? It's a good question. It's one that begs to be answered. And I think it's a question that, that is that's bringing along with it some correction. Amen. Because notice he says those expecting Jehovah, they pass to power. If you pass to something, he's talking about it being given access to it. Stand with me, praise God. If you pass the power, he's talking about you entering into, right? So again, we just finished up one school year going into the next school year. If someone passed to the eighth grade, right? This means they went from one grade, seventh grade. Come on now, don't stop listening just because you stood up, right? If they passed to the eighth grade, this means they went from the seventh grade to the eighth grade. They passed to the eighth grade, amen. So to pass to power means to go from one place into a place of power. And notice that expecting Jehovah is how we pass to power. In another place in Isaiah, he said it this way, Who has believed the report of the Lord? And to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? What is he saying there? He's saying those who believe what God has said, it's those men and women that the arm of the Lord, the arm of the Lord, again, is talking about His strength, His power, His ability, His his working in our lives. Amen. So who's believed the report of the Lord and to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? He's saying it's those who believe what God has said and now begin to expect Him to do in our lives what He's promised to do, right? This is how we pass into that power. This is how we gain access to the power that we all need to live on the level that we were created to live. can't get there ourselves, but the power of God can get us there every time. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I know I said one last slide, so don't put the slide up, Christy. I'll just read it. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. Praise God. I got to find it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's slide number 36, Christy. We were never meant to be limited to what money can buy or medicine can fix. We were never meant to be limited to what money can buy. Or medicine can fix. Slide 37, Christy. We're on grace now. I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe me for it. This is something the Lord said to Jesse Duplantis many, many years ago. The Lord dropped a vision in his heart. and He said, Lord, how will I ever pay for that? And the Lord spoke to him. He said, I didn't ask you to pay for it, son. I asked you to believe me for it. Come on now. I didn't ask you to pay for it. See, we're trying to pay for things the Lord never asked us to pay for never ask you to pay for it he never asked you to pay for your sin are you hearing me he never asked you to pay for it he asked you to believe him he said my your work is to believe on him whom god has sent this is what you need to invest your effort in amen those expecting jehovah come on now what we're gonna do we're gonna pass the power 
pass to power. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for these beautiful men and women, Lord, from the very youngest among us to the very eldest and everybody in between. Lord, I thank you for the different seasons of life that are represented here today. And Father, I thank you that you are God in every season of life, Lord. Father, you, you, you have plans and purposes for us in every season of our lives, and your plans and purposes for us go much more than the hundred plus years that we're going to live on this planet, Father. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you this morning that you are, you are challenging us. You're speaking to us. Lord, you're calling us to expect more than we can produce on our own. To believe you for more than what we can buy with our own money or fix with, with, with the advances in technology and medicine that we have on this earth today, Father. Lord, that we would go beyond that because we were never meant to be limited by those things, Lord. And so we trust you. We believe you. We believe that we receive. We believe, Father, that you're a good God and that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We believe that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We believe that you have given to us, not the spirit of this world, but that you have given to us your spirit so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us where we believe that we have potential that we can never tap into apart from faith in you. So, Lord, help us to expect more, believe more, and pass to the power that will make that more. Lord, attainable and, and, and realized in our life realities in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I know I say that over and over again. Please know how grateful I am for your presence in this room. For those of you watching online, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week, if not before. Praise God.